Hey, listener. How are you? You doing okay? We heard all that shouting. and We know families can be rough. No, no, no. I don't mean to be intrusive. I just wanted to say that if you want, there's, there's another way. Let's just say I have these beans. Magical beans. Pop a few of these down your gullet and simply follow your feet. After you suckle down these magic beans, you'll end up on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Simply find and stand on the star you want, and the science, the pure science of these magical beans will make sure that celebrity gives you the family you desire. How many do you get? Well, old chap, five it be. Five stars you choose from the ground before throwing your hands to the stars in the sky. Because this is Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. Guten Tag and Bienvenidos listeners, and you guessed it, we are talking top five celebrities you want as family members. And do I have just the duo to share their wishes? Our first contestant is unfortunately a familiar favorite, and he literally has nowhere else to be. A large number of his family listens to this show, and he wanted me to read a statement before we start. <clears throat> I, Nathan Henninfant of Sound Body and Mind, have not had the courage to tell you in person that I have been dreaming of replacing you with the following celebrities for years. <laughs> Our love is a sham, and any answer I give post-haste shall be taken as gospel, and only true family I shall now recognize will be henceforth. Thanks for nothing. Man, harsh words, but you heard the man. It's Nathan Henninfant. How are you? Uh, yes. Hello. And I uh, apologies to my former family members, but you had to find out somehow. Oh, man. What an upgrade you're going to be getting today. Uh, challenging the heartless Nathan is what I'm assuming is a longtime listener. First time guest. She's a Chicago based actor originally from Humboldt County who promised to bring us the freshest. Sorry. It's actually says dank here. Grass the West Coast has to offer, but our packages must have been lost in the mail. <laughs> With a name so appropriate as we record on St. Patty's Day here, it's Rosie O'Leary. Welcome, Rosie. How are you? Good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, what is the relationship? How do you know Nathan, and how are you joining us today? We we talked about this beforehand, and we've decided <laughs> to say we met at Juilliard. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's the answer. <laughs> uh, and if all of you want to get blown to the moon, first... Head on over to rosieoleary.com to book Rosie in your next project, and then head on over to ubersinko.com to listen and watch this and any other fine episode. And you know what? Send it to your friends. Just get them to listen. Do whatever you got. Force it down their eyeballs. You can even submit your suggestions for upcoming shows right there. And if you're new here, great. Welcome. Here is how the game is played. The two contestants you just heard from sent in their lists of their top five celebrities they want as family members, and I get to be judge, jury, and executioner, doling out one to three points at will. If both listers have the same answer on their list, that's where we have an... Where only one may snag all three points for the answer, while the other gets a big fat zero. But a zero is not a death sentence here, because as host, I also get to institute a house rule for today's game. Bonus points to anyone who has the best celebrity doppelganger for me. So think hard. Think very, very hard. As always, when the game ends, I will crown a winner, and they can have one more tally to add to their mother's fridge back home. Now, we are going to start the game, but don't forget until the end of the show, where I, Brian Ernst, will list off my Fast Five VR experiences no one asked for. <laughs> Now, we had a pre-show <laughs> acting contest, and Nathan was just... Em 
embarrassed. Nathan thought his to be or not to be could beat Rosie's interpretation of Jack Nicholson and a few good men. I asked her if she ordered the code red and she fired back. You're goddamn right. I did because I still got the chills. Rosie will go first. Rosie, what is your number five? My number five is the one, the only Ina Garten, the barefoot Contessa, the dream moment of the Hamptons. Oh, man. Mitch is going to be so upset he is not on the show. He loves Ina Garten. So I mean, why have you picked her? Who doesn't? She is amazing. Um, so Ina is just, I would describe her probably as like my aunt, potentially. Like the aunt that always hosts Thanksgiving, always has the beautiful setup, all the delicious food, spends hours in the kitchen, but is just so happy. And then she also comes with her beautiful husband, Jeffrey, who... Zeal professor extraordinaire. If you don't watch Jeffrey. the Barefoot Contessa, then I don't know what you're doing with your life. Um, <laughs> but that show also, I turn it on when I'm feeling blue, need a good hug visually. And I feel like that Anna Garten, as my aunt, would provide that. And she would just be fabulous. And you know what? Storebot is fine. So that's <laughs> Storebot <laughs> is fine. And trying to find out where Jeffrey has been while she's making whatever meal she has. <laughs> Jeffrey has the most elaborate life and the most friends that we never get to see. Never get to see. She, Ina Garten is also friends with all the top Broadway people. So I feel like it would be like uh, unlimited free tickets to all the Broadway shows. And you just get to travel the world with her and eat when she gets to do that. And it would be absolutely fabulous. Oh, man. What is the one meal that you would hope she would make for you if you got to join her in her kitchen? I would really just want her to make me one of those massive cocktails that she does. <laughs> yes. she, like, she'll just batch like this huge thing of cocktails, and they usually look disgusting. They usually look so sweet. But I just, that would be so fun to get drunk with Aunt Ina. <laughs> yeah. Don't you agree? <laughs> Aunt Ina and Uncle Jeff. Here we are. Uncle, I really... I think Ina's a way to get to Jeffrey, but Ina's more famous than Jeffrey. So, you know, you have, to, you have to get to, you know, it's a path. Jeff is, brings everyone back down to earth. Nathan, do you have any idea who we're talking I, about? Well, I do. But the only reason that I do is because last Halloween, I went to a Halloween party <laughs> where Rosie and her boyfriend went as this power couple. And that was the first that I knew of them was I was taking a picture of them and I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. And then Rosie dutifully showed me a side by side of them and the real I people. I was like, okay, you have to watch the barefoot Contessa and you have to understand how comforting and lovely this show is. And then also how she's also just so uncharismatic, which is why it's amazing because the show has been on <laughs> like for like 20 years and she's the most uncharismatic celebrity chef but is so successful because she is just a wonderful human and it's it's a virtual i mean not a virtual sorry visual hug when you watch the barefoot contessa that that is sort of who you want as your family is people yes. who are wonderful but zero yes. charisma, zero charisma. <laughs> my, my, my family members and you know who you are the ones who have the charisma and are drawn attention to us at public gatherings that's not what i want oh i want uh, anonymity I've actually been sending uh, Mitch as he's on vacation clips. There is this guy on TikTok who throws on a bob wig and wears a blue oh, button down shirt. Seen, oh, I've seen yes. it. It's amazing. Tom, it's Tom Hearn yes. is his name. Yeah, if anybody sees him do his Ina Garden, it is fantastic and spot on. So uh, this is a fantastic choice for number Thank five, you. which leaves Thank Nathan you. with his work cut out for him. What do you have at your number five, Nathan? Um, I've, this is what I've been thinking about since I was a kid. This is... <laughs> grunge rock icon eddie vedder as my older brother the older brother who moved out 
when he turned 16. He dropped out of high school. He was wearing the flannel in the 90s. And he drove some, like, sort of beat-up car. And he had, like, his vinyl records. And his uh, clothes always smelled like weed. And the really, like, the really cool girls who were, like, five years older than me would be coming around the house. And then and then he left. And the, the family didn't want to talk about him. But he was still would always come back. And he would give me guitar lessons. And he was just the coolest guy. But then, as we get older, we get into more mature Eddie Vedder and we start to realize that Pearl Jam really wasn't even that rebellious of a band, just, you know, sort of average bar rock that they made sound like grunge. So they got really big, but turns out Eddie Vedder, total sweetheart. Uh, you know, he, he does charitable work. He's a huge Cubs fan. He loves the Chicago Cubs more than I have ever loved anyone else in my entire life. This man loves the Cubs. He's taken me to the World Series in 2016. He's, uh, you know, let me borrow money from his enormous estate he's made. He's, he's, <laughs> he's done very well for himself financially, despite the fact that everybody thought he was going to be this rebellious disappointment. And now he's sort of this elder statesman figure in my life. As I, as I am ushered towards middle age myself, I already have this guy who, <laughs> who made all the mistakes but still came out on top, uh, Eddie Vedder. I remember you telling me a story, too, when you were younger and, and, uh, and Brother Eddie would drive you around. You spilled soda in his car. That's when he turned to you and went, Oh, Nathan, why the fuck did you spill that all over my seat? And that was, that was such a great experience for you. Yeah, it's so sweet. I feel Birth like of a song. Gave, I feel like you just gave his eulogy, though. I feel like. <laughs> he, 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 did, he did just, re he released a new album, uh, like literally within the last couple of weeks. And one of the songs is about him having a brother that is dead. And I didn't think about that until like <laughs> two minutes before wow. we started recording this. And I'm like, well, was, like was, was Eddie giving my eulogy? I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> no, this is you like trying to, you know, like replace his dead brother. I feel like, you know, I am, like <laughs> Eddie, you've got a dead brother. I am here for you, my friend. <laughs> like I am ready to step into those shoes this could be the beginning of a beautiful relationship. I I mean, this is he's friends with Dennis Rodman. I know he gets courtside Bulls tickets. The Bulls are going to be in the playoffs this year. It just works, everybody. It works. I never thought in a million years we'd be talking about Eddie Vedder and then immediately me thinking about his bacon number to Kim Jong-il only being two. So that is pretty <laughs> interesting. Um, all right. So Eddie Vedder is going to get at least uh, a two points in my book. Just because I can't understand what the hell he's saying. And then uh, Ina Garten is definitely getting three points because yeah. I am going to meet Jeffrey at one point in my life. I love him. All right. So we're moving on to our number four. Rosie, who do you have? My number four, four is Steve Carell. Oh. oh. I, don't, I don't know much about Steve Carell, but I've heard from the many celebrities that speak of Steve Carell that he is the nicest human you will ever meet. And I think he's a fabulous actor. So I feel that as my uncle, he would be a mentor to me as a fellow actor and would really just have a lot of amazing insight for me in my career. And then at the same time, and during the holidays, he'd be so fun and nice. He would tell jokes. He would tell stories from his office days. And it would just be this lovely person to always have around in your family. And yeah. He reads to me like he might be like a secret tough love 
kind of uncle. Like it's like you like he seems so approachable and nice, and you go to him, and then he says something that cuts to the core and makes you think exactly. about it until the no, next holiday. I think yeah. I think that's it. I think I as I feel like I want him as like an uncle acting mentor. Like I feel like he would be like, yes, you can do this, Rosie. You're amazing, and he's like so kind and so considerate. Like probably shows up with amazing gifts, all that. And then at the same time, he's like. Yeah, exactly what you said. He's like, you have to do this, though. And he's like, no bullshit, which we appreciate. Yeah. And a great spectrum, too. You go from, like, super dramatic and, like, Little Miss Sunshine. And you can go all the way down to, was it on the Dana Carvey show when he and and Colbert (laughs) would be the waiters who got nauseated at the sight of food? (laughs) So it's like, like they just do the stupidest things. And this guy fills the whole spectrum. All of his stuff on the Dana Carvey show with Colbert is amazing for anybody <laughs> yes. who wants to do a deep dive. Uh, what was the other one where they're in? They don't know how to pull pranks right. Like they think <laughs> they've pulled pranks, but they've actually helped out the subject. And then they run away giddy thinking yeah. that they've actually caused a prank when they've just paid for somebody's gas. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, they, they pay. It's, it's like they pay it forward instead of like pranking somebody. Um, <laughs> and look it up. Hilarious. It is. Do I have the, actually you, never you, seen you, this. I, I'm like a, I just feel like, so obviously Steve Carell came into my life because of The Office, as, as he does with most mm. people. And then ever since then, his career has just been amazing. And he just always plays these like asshole characters so well, but everyone describes him as the nicest human ever. And I think I just admire that. Well, I think I, he he does play, he plays people that are jerks, but he plays them with a sincerity where you always come around and exactly. sympathize with yeah. him. It's 100%, 100%. He just, he finds he, the humanity in this. And no, I, I was going <laughs> to say like at, at the end of his character arc in the, the office where it's like, he's, he, he has children and he's showing Pam the pictures of his kids on the phone. Oh my God. Get, it's so like, beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like, yeah. can you imagine your, your uncle, Steve Carell, like playing with your kids or like your, your other nieces and nephews that like, just exactly. like, that's yeah. He's a I gem mean, of I, a human. I want him in my family. I heard a story from actually a steady cam operator who actually fulfilled this, this tale of Steve Carell being the nicest guy ever. Um, I think it's at the end of Dan in real life. They are improvising a, a dance scene at a wedding because they are losing sunlight and they have one take to get this thing done. And he was just like, I've ne- he's like, I've never worked with an actor who was aware where the camera was at all times and saw me spin around. The lens was facing the other way. He locked eyes with me, gave me a head nod like, are you ready? And spun the actress right into frame as he was making the rounding the corner. And it was just like, we didn't say anything. We just looked at each other, locked eyes. And it's like he knew exactly what was going to happen. So gem gem of a human. What a gem. Yeah. The the, the film school graduate in me just had heart palpitations. That was beautiful. Yes. That's (laughs) so great. So great. So now again, Nathan, you get the short end of the stick. Uh, Yeah. Trying to beat Steve Carell. (laughs) Right. Who do you have at number four? That's tough. And I I took the easy route here because uh, this is Rosie's first time on the show. And uh, she's not yet aware that one of the key strategies here is playing to the host. (laughs) <laughs> and so I went with I've my... also never met Brian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so far she's doing a very good job yeah. of sticking to this rule <laughs> but I, I I'm going with my potential grandfather 
the boss, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> That's right. An Ernst family staple. <laughs> if Brian's dad is listening, he is immediately awarding me 100 points in his mind. I know that for a fact. That's true. That is true. So I'm going with Bruce Springsteen, the boss. Now, this is going to fit in with my Eddie Vedder uh, pick because it's two musicians who you can do impressions of without saying words. Yes. Eddie Vedder being... And Bruce being, they're just one octave off of mumbling, octave off. Just, just mumbling about working class nonsense that they've never had to deal with in their entire lives, but they uh, still have made bajillions off of it. Like you can start I, a family band with them. I yes. would. <laughs> I would. They're, they're both. They're both like you know, just the rhythm guitar player who who sings in a limited vocal range, with, with tons of talent behind them who've exploded they have kind of similar career trajectories anyways i'm getting off topic bruce is a great grandpa because <laughs> this is a guy who will instill that work ethic he is he's singing about you know working down on the docks in jersey that's that's what yep. he made his money <laughs> singing about <laughs> yeah. again things he never had to do but he would expect me to do them he, he would did expect do me to do them but he would but he would be encouraging he would yes. encourage me to do my best. And also, this is a true story. At least it's something I read in an article eight years ago. So I'm assuming <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the boss has a rule for the E Street Band and their uh, various backing musicians that they've worked with. Nobody can have a drink until midnight. Now, this is the sort of iron-fisted discipline that I need in my life. <laughs> if only we could all wait till midnight to start drinking and then pass out at 4 a.m., we'd all be so much more productive. Then, Brian, <laughs> you and I, would our band would have taken off years ago. I know, man. <laughs> that, that, no logic, gonna... that logic makes no sense. Because <laughs> then you sleep to, like, one, and then... Well, no, I, it makes no sense for stars. me. It, it, makes, it makes sense for them because we, when Bruce is doing it, it, he's with the E Street Band, and these people are all like average age, I don't know, 68 to 72. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, hey, you can't drink till midnight. Okay. And then midnight rolls around. They walk off stage and then immediately pass out, anyways. So nobody yes. has a drink. It's very clever. Like to... that. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. They have to have more bananas and water around than they do actual <laughs> yeah. alcohol. alcohol. But I think, but, I think Bruce is also like a guy who I would, I mean, I would love to just sit around the fire on the floor, you know, and, and hear grandpa, the boss, tell some stories about all the people he's met. And, you know, it, I think, I think this is a, this is a, a slam dunk. I was, I, he, he, he inched out Neil Young, who is there for a lot of similar reasons, but Neil Young sort of covers a lot of the thematic territory that uh, Eddie Vedder did. And by thematic yeah. Tory, I mean, they both wear flannel shirts. Yes. So I had to go with, so I had to go with the boss. Yes. Springsteen is a great choice too because he also ruined every concert experience for me because he's 70 years old and he puts on a three and a half hour show. So when I go and see anybody who puts on an hour show, I'm like, you are all weak. What is your problem? I paid more money to see you and you're playing for a shorter amount of time. This is bullshit. What's I, going on? I think the boss is actually has a vendetta against Max Weinberg and he's just trying to kill him of a heart attack by just playing him <laughs> into the ground. The man has had, I don't know how many wrist surgeries by this point. The poor guy can't do four hour shows anymore. Uh, but I will tie this to theater for one fun, quick Springsteen story. The reason Max Weinberg got hired is because before 
uh, he joined the E Street Band. He was in the pit, the orchestra pit for I forgot what show. It might have been Godspell. I think it was. And he went to the E Street Band audition and he was the only one who paid attention to Bruce's movements and did like a rim shot or a cymbal hit like every time he would point because he was used to sitting in the orchestra pit and hitting certain things at certain Whoa. points. Really? So he was like when Springsteen just stood at the mic, his back to the drummer and put his hand out and he heard something and then he tested it a couple more times. He's like, this was the only guy who paid attention to me in all the auditions. So he's hired. That's, that's okay. actually kind of amazing because that's when you think about his work with Conan O'Brien for mm -hmm. 20 years or so, he was doing that all the time with Conan. Yeah. And it's literally because of his training. He like did that before the E Street Band, which wow. is amazing. Well, I learned something. Wow. I well, may not this... win this episode, but I've learned something, so it's I come out a winner anyway. Yeah. Uh, you, you guys are all picking people I know a lot of things about, <laughs> which is making the show run very smoothly. <laughs> so let's stick in that realm. Uh, you guys are both getting three points for your number mm. four. That's an easy, easy, easy. Uh, so we are going to go back to Rosie for her number three. What do you have? Number three. Sophia Coppola. All right. Love. You sell me. You're going to have to sell me on this. Okay. One. Okay. So I, as a director, I think she is phenomenal. I think she's one of the best visual storytellers out there. She's also a woman and has like done a lot of groundbreaking stuff as, as far as female directors go. Marie Antoinette is one of my favorite movies. I think it's visual candy. It's unbelievable. Um, I just, I admire her so much as a director why I want to be related to her is because of her family. I think she's my in. So I think that Sophia Coppola, like I'd like to be her cousin. So I like, I'm not in part of like this queer, weird, like mafia family that is the Coppola's, but like, I'm like associated with them. So like I get to go to their winery and like, you know, walk through the fields and enjoy delicious Italian food and participate in their beautiful dinners. And then hear amazing intellectual conversations about film and the industry and traveling in Italy. And I just get to be like immersed in that it would be so cool. Um, and then I know that Jason Schwartzman is her cousin and she puts, mm -hmm. him, he put, she puts him in all of our movies. So that would also be like the situation since I would be her cousin. <laughs> so then I would be in all of her movies um, and it would be my absolute dream job. And so it would only happen though, if I was Sophia Coppola's cousin. So yeah. The, the nepotism runs high in that family. Oh, yes, yeah. Most, you know, most of my choices I will say are ways for me to become a more successful actor. So <laughs> I think that's just like, you know, if I've learned anything in my time in the industry, it's that nepotism matters. So <laughs> <laughs> Which means you're playing the game. You right know, here. I'm just like, who will help me? <laughs> oh, I think, I think the Coppola's would be a, good people to have in your corner. I really think they would be. And it would just be like, it would be so cool to be part of such legends, you know? I went to see The Godfather 50th anniversary on the big screen. Kevin saw that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were probably in the theater together and I didn't even say hello. Um, probably. But, well, in two years when The Godfather Part 2 comes out, Kevin, you and me, it's going to be a nice mandate. I, 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 like, yes. I get like get home from work and he's like, yeah, this is my second time today watching The Godfather. <laughs> I can't. Well, my, my boyfriend, so, the filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia Coppola is in all three Godfather movies. I know, but um, isn't she like terrible in it? 
Well, no, well, well, she's she's in the in the first one. She is the baby getting baptized in the climactic right, right. baptism scene, and then in the second one, she is a girl on the boat going into Ellis Island with the young Vito Corleone, mm -hmm. and then of course she's the disaster in the yeah, third Godfather I mean. movie that I don't, I pretend doesn't exist. But did she audition for those though? Like... Yeah, as a baby. <laughs> yeah. This is what I no. This is what I'm saying nepotism matters like yes, she she was on the the big screen when she was a baby look i gotta yeah. say she was Think pretty how great would be. she yes. was great in that baptism scene the crying when they pour the water over her forehead unbelievably realistic uh, is that. unbelievably realistic a val valid phrase no it's not let's it move on now. <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna move on to you sir you have to beat the nepotism that is the coppola's <laughs> yourself with number three uh what do you have well, I went. This is this is my single uh, aunt. I have to I have to say aunt consciously because I'm from the country and we always country, said aunt. Yes. I say aunt, aunt. aunt. I say aunt too. Yeah, I say aunt. Like aunt if, sounds like if too I, astute. If I went oh, to my good. if I went to my dad's sister Nancy after 35 years and was like, "Hey, Aunt Nancy," she would be like, "Who are you?" And you like, highfalutin yeah. son of yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm like, do I say no? I say aunt. I, I think I, I was like, well. maybe I rotate aunt, aunt, no, it's aunt. Uh, We're used to having Mitch on this show who always throws his snooty yeah. Twin Cities nose into it. So we don't, let's throw him under the bus. Well, my, my, my aunt, this is my, my rich aunt. She's single. She doesn't care anymore. Life hasn't turned out mm -hmm. exactly how she wants. Although for this person, it uh, kind of did. She brings <laughs> a lot of gifts. She spoils me. She doesn't care what my parents think. I'm talking Oprah. I'm going Oprah. I'm going big here. <laughs> going big. I want Oprah showing up with, you know, the, the famous moment where she's saying everybody gets a car, everybody gets a car. I'm picturing this as she shows up at Christmas. She shows up at Christmas Day at like 2 p.m. Like everybody else is already tired. All the presents have been, you know, open. Somebody's passed out on the couch already. The leftovers are starting to make the rounds. And then she pulls up right when nobody has their attention anywhere else. She comes in the driveway. We didn't think we we're getting more presents, but her car is just full of everything you could ever want. She spent all your researching because she's, she's been in a book club with you. She, she's been, she's been listening to you talk about your feelings. She is just unloading everything that makes you feel good about yourself. And your parents are like, like, oh, we we told we told Nathan his grades weren't good enough, so he wasn't going to get that new pair of Air Jordans. But here she is, and she's got them. That is totally something Oprah would do. So Oprah is my my single independent aunt. Who always brings her best friend Gail, even though she wasn't invited. <laughs> and poor Stedman walking in from the car carrying all the gifts and asks you really invasive interview questions for no reason, mm. just to you know kind of push your buttons. Yeah, her Mercedes shows up full of gifts, but then there's also a, a, a van with a microwave dish <laughs> following it, so yeah. she has to do her live shots from inside your living room to see just how much you really were bad this well, year. I, I could see her also being that aunt who's like, like, say you're like 16 years old, and you're, you know, you've confided in her a little bit over the years because it's like, oh, this is the cool aunt. I can say things to mom and dad that I didn't. And then you're you're sitting there, you know, having some Christmas cookies, and uh, she's just, you know you've got a new girlfriend, uh, your, your first girlfriend in your sophomore year of high school. And then Aunt Oprah's just like, 
So you're wearing condoms, right? Wait, what? Like, oh, and Oprah, <laughs> like, no, we real there yet. <laughs> we just like, went to the homecoming. That's all. Oh. Like every five seconds, a baby in Africa dies. <laughs> just like you know, things like that. Oh no, Oprah, you're really bringing Christmas down. What are you doing? Can I just have the keys to my car, please? Thanks. Um. What are you hoping, Nathan, she putting under your chair for you to find? Other than Jordan's, what is the ultimate Christmas gift you're hoping to find from Aunt Oprah under the chair? Well, going back to the Eddie Vedder uh, thing is back in back in uh, the golden age of the 1990s, both Eddie Vedder and Oprah were frequent courtside uh, guests of the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. If Eddie Vedder's not taking me to the Bulls game, Oprah better be taking me to a Bulls game. It's very simple. <laughs> Think of all the fun we could have had, it, like off hours at Harpo Studios before it was completely demolished. We could have made so many cool things using the old Oprah sets. It, it it's a weird thing nobody actually talks about anymore. But in the 1990s, the two most recognizable people on the planet were Michael Jordan and Oprah, and their offices, the United Center and Harpo Studios, were like four blocks away from each other on the west side of Chicago. Yes. That alone just earns you three points, Nathan. Yeah, so there we congratulations. go. Congratulations. Three points for you. <laughs> uh, three points for the nepotism of the Coppola family as well. Yes. All right, which brings us on to our number twos. What do we have? We'll start with Rosie. What do you have? Um, so we're going across the pond for this one. Um, oh. I just feel that this man will just sit by the fire, tell amazing stories of his youth, and then top it off with some nice, Shakespeare recitation. So, Sir Ian McKellen, the one, the only. All right, we have our first Uber stare down of the show here. I'm taking some liberties with this one. We're going to have Sir Ian McKellen go against Nathan's number two. Who do you have? I have Dame Maggie Smith as my grandma. Oh, two people who have been bequeathed by the Queen. We will first start with Sir Ian McKellen. Why would he make such a great grandpa? Like I said, he would just be this fabulous old gay actor man. (laughs) (laughs) That is very, yes, he will be that. He is that. I also, so I will preface this with I don't really have grandparents. So my mom's mom passed away before I was born. And then her dad um, is a born-again Christian Republican, so we don't talk. Smart. <laughs> and, yeah. then, um, and then uh, my dad's uh, dad died when I was, like, two or so, so I never really knew him. And then my grandmother passed away when I was, like, 12, and she also lived in Minnesota, and I lived in California, so I never really had a relationship with her. So picking my grandparents was, like, very important of, like, who would actually fulfill these roles that I never had in my life? And... I think that Sir Ian McKellen, like I said, he would just have the most amazing stories as you sat by the fireplace in jolly old England. And he would just talk and talk and just listen and listen and listen, which is like what I never got from old people growing up. I never got to listen to old people. And then he would just have his Shakespeare knowledge and his Shakespeare presentation would be amazing. I imagine he would just go into it and I would just get to experience that. And again, he's a fabulous old gay man, so I feel like he would also hit the club at the same time. So we would like 
get cozy and then go out. He's a package deal because He's you get whatever, in, whatever interesting partner he has at the time. You have that, but then yes. you also get best friend Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, that is like the ultimate package right there. <laughs> and he may agree. He may have seen it. We don't know if it's the ultimate package. But And then there's uh, the yeah. nepotism that would come in, you know, yes. with the fact that he's Stuart and McKellen. So like, you know, I would obviously be working a lot. McKellen and Stuart together on the couch, like on Graham Norton yeah, or whatever. I just feel yeah, it would just be the best Christmas. I think that's a better friend pairing of Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, then Oprah and Gail. I'm way more excited for I'm way more excited for Ian, Grandpa Ian, to bring over Uncle Patrick than I am for <laughs> Aunt Oprah to bring over her friend Gail. So Gail, yeah, Cause, cause, yeah Gail's Gail. got the same thing. Oh, Gail gosh. just wants to. T- she just wants to talk and wants to steal the spotlight and blah blah. Gail blah, blah. again, God, she brought Gail. Gail. Yeah, where it's like but, oh, Patrick. Man. They would do full on just Shakespearean sol- soliloquies. I really feel like the games of charades too would just be like on point, you know? Like oh, wow. it, would go, yeah. it would go to the wee hours of the morning. Yes. Yeah. And you'd always have a nice place to borrow a scarf, which always is always a nice place to borrow a scarf. Yeah. I just feel and I feel like he would be able to give me good like advice about men, about, you know, just how to dress, how to be, you know. And I'm very I'm being very super Stereotypical towards gay people right now. But I think I, he would agree I, with you though, based on how he presents I, himself on those I shows. He would a love gay this. Grandpa sounds so nice. I like I like this image of like uh, Ian McKellen being uh, interviewed on a very serious TV show, and he's he's you know he's pursing his lips and oh, what's happening, and underneath it says Ian McKellen, fabulous gay actor man. Um, (laughs) and he would probably be like that i've been waiting for this my entire life i've been setting this up forever but so i mean this is a great pick i i loved i loved everything the two of you just said about this but i think this is a solid pick for myself maggie smith dame maggie smith as my grandmother now this is based on basically two of her performances, two iconic performances. And this is uh, as the Dowager Countess of Grantham in Downton Abbey, when she is the grandmother who has the sharpest tongue. I mean, just can undercut somebody. She can, she can say words that are like on paper, they are a compliment and just cut somebody's legs out from underneath them. She's so quick. She's so sharp. And she demands so much of everybody in her family. But if anything goes wrong, even if they make a horrendous mistake or what could be perceived as a horrendous mistake, she is the person who will go out of their way to defend them. She fights tooth and nail for the people she loves. She is the mama tiger looking after her cubs. My favorite instance, of course, in that show is when, uh, was it Mr. Pamuk? Uh, yes. Her oldest granddaughter <laughs> ends up <Mary>. with <laughs> yeah, Mary <laughs> Lady Mary ends up with a dead dude in her bed <laughs> like when they're not and and uh you know this is you would think this is an absolute disaster for this woman who is trying to project just nothing but regality and uh perfection from her family and she she's like nope we're we're going to get this thing done. She fights for people. And then the other role of course is as Professor McGonagall from Hogwarts in Harry Potter, where she is, she is the most stern and demanding of uh, our heroes, uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. But again, she is always 
the most fiercely, you know, defending them, defending what's right. And you, you realize it's, she's, she sort of reminds me of like a, a really good coach in, in sports in, in that series is she's really, really demanding of them, but only because she cares about them and knows that what they're capable of. So she's only hard on them because she knows that their potential is so high and she's expecting that. Um, and I, I feel like I feel like Maggie Smith is sort of a, a combination between my two grandmothers in a way, which uh, to to do a psychoanalysis of my two grandmothers <laughs> would take way too long <laughs> to get there. But for <laughs> but for sentimental reasons, both of my grandmas were, were they were very funny and they were very fiercely loyal, but they also did not they did not mince words. They were happy to tell you what they thought about any given situation. So Maggie Smith, no BS, grand. yes, very <laughs> sentimental uh, pick, and that's that's why I went with Maggie Smith. That's a good choice. And what makes her even more interesting as a professor is because she turns into a cat. A cat. <laughs> I mean, everyone at Hogwarts has seen Professor McGonagall's butthole, so which is very very weird. Which is what you to... want in a grandma too, to like know <laughs> what, what her butthole looks like. I really feel like that's a tough quality. That's what every student says. <laughs> like, man, we know too much about Professor McGonagall. <laughs> I will say, I feel like you want Lady Grantham to be your grandmother more than Maggie Smith, though. From that analysis, it did sound like that. Yeah, it sounded more like you wanted. Yeah, the grandma in Downton Abbey, which which is is Dame Maggie Smith, but it's also a character. Okay, you picked <laughs> this character from Downton Abbey. What did you do to the family that requires her to defend you? Yeah, there that's we go. what I want to know. Go. What have you done that needs defending, Nathan? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be real. <laughs> oh, thank it could be in the that. world of Downton Abbey. In the world of yes. Downton Abbey. <laughs> what did you do in Downton that really? Oh, uh, I, I think, I think I would be desperately chasing the hand of some, uh, some French nobilities. Uh, you know, I, I wanted her hand in marriage, and I signed off the entire estate, or like eighty percent of the estate, like. A thousand acres has been forfeited just so I could uh, possibly have uh, an ill-fated marriage with some beautiful naughty. young lady. Yeah, oh. I could see myself doing that. Oh, and naughty! Then, and then Grandma, Grandma Maggie Smith, uh, the Dowager Countess, would have to come in, and and she'd give me a stern talking to, but she would set things right in the end. Oof. Since this is a stare down, you really, you guys have both really put it to me. So I have to pick Grandpa McKellen or Grandma Smith. Fabulous gay grandpa. <laughs> and I think fabulous gay grandpa is what puts yes. it over the edge, yes. which gives Rosie three <laughs> points to Nathan's zero. That was our number twos. But we got to wrap this thing up with our number ones. So we're going to go back to Rosie. Who do you have as your ultimate celebrity family member? Mary Poppins, Maria. <laughs> The one, the only, Julie Andrews. Mm. Uh, ah, yes. The the best, just the best. Queen of Genovia, Queen Julia. Queen of Genovia, oh, 100%. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. How, did I, how did I miss that one? <laughs> <laughs> Cinderella and the original Broadway. Uh, yes. <laughs> original My Fair Lady. You know, okay. So, love, love, love Julie Andrews. Grew up watching her movies. Just listened to all the soundtracks that she was ever on. Her voice is unbelievable. Um, she just has this magical energy that I think would just 
be the most incredible thing to be able to be in presence of. And then she also has this nurturing, caring vibe as which we have seen in Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music and Princess Diaries, all of these movies. And I think as a grandmother, she would not only be so loving and giving and present with you, but she would also be very real with you, which I think is very important as we also saw in Mary Poppins, Sound of Music and Princess Diaries. Um, so I think she'd be the perfect grandmother. I also think even though her voice has sadly been tampered with, fuck those surgeons, I think she would be able to sing you lullabies as you went to sleep, which sounds so lovely and be able to tell stories of her Broadway days, her old Hollywood days. And I could just be with her. I would literally just, I would literally spend a year alone with Julie Andrews. And I feel like I would still want to just keep being with her and listen to her talking forever and ever and ever. She's the best. You're picking several eras of Julie Andrews, <laughs> all of which would make for good grandma. What <laughs> yes. is the best age you would want to have started having Julie Andrews as your grandma? I think grandma age, because I feel like I, again, like I said earlier, never really had, like, I never had a grandma present. So I think I would want grandma age. We're but, starting Princess Diaries. Princess Grandma Diaries, yes, yes, yes. But she carries all her other, you know, past with her as we do as humans. So, of course. Yeah. I would hope, I would love, though, that her, her voice to be her younger self, which it would be. Yes. If the people weren't awful. <sighs> you know what happened. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe some she listeners get, also don't. She had nodes and she had to get surgery and the surgery went bad and they fucked up her voice. That's why she can't sing the way she used to. Ooh. Damn nodes. I don't like Damn that. Damn surgeons that with their shaky hands. Isn't that awful? It is awful. It's Julie, yeah. it's Julie Andrews' voice. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. like, I, I think those people, like, would you, how would you feel if you messed up Julie Andrews' voice? That, yeesh. <laughs> oh. It's all right. We have them on the line. Hey, how do they, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, wow. Um, I, oh, uh, man. That's. I feel like, Nathan, you <laughs> would also like to have Julie Andrews as your grandma. I would. What? what 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 era would you pick? Oh, uh, I I mean my my Julie Andrews is the sound of music. Uh, Julie yeah. Andrews, yeah, that's that seems fair. Yeah, I, I don't seems know. Seems like you, she she was a you jack more want to hook up with Julie Andrews. I know. That's, well, I'm like, I, I feel have. like he's like, oh my god, Christopher Plummer almost made my list, and I'm like, no, he's too hot in sound of music. I can't want to be. I can't be attracted <laughs> to was... my family member. Julie Andrews was, I was, was like, attractive. I had to deliver. Yes. I'm like, no one I'm attracted to. <laughs> That's a good rule for this it's list. Really good, going... Yeah, I was like, because there was a lot of them. I was like, oh, I love that actor or singer or whatever. I'm like, well, nope, they're too hot. I mean, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> she, she was the ultimate hot babysitter in, uh, in Sound of gorgeous. Music. She's yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She still is. Well, it's it's good to know that Steve Carell will now know that you find him absolutely, utterly he atrocious. Just, he just got uncle that. He's just old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nathan, take us home. Who do you have as your number one celeb family member? All right. I, this this one surprised even me when I wrote it down. But <laughs> I, I went with Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, as my scary uncle, who then mellowed out. So... <laughs> Second part, very important. Yeah. <laughs> this this helps you out a lot. When, like I'm thinking, like when I'm a kid, I'm a real young kid, and maybe I'm getting bullied by anybody. Doesn't matter who. 
maybe there's some teachers who are causing me problems. I'd be like, or, you know, if it's kids down the street, whatever. It's like, oh, have you met my uncle, Mike fucking Tyson, Iron Mike, <laughs> the most intimidating man, the man who they said when he walked into the ring, the match was over, the most visceral, the most powerful fighter who ever lived, the guy who literally bit a guy's ears off. Like, all right, so so that, that never goes away. But <laughs> Mike Tyson is not that person anymore. I now I'm not a huge boxing fan, but I know enough to know that this didn't add up. Where he did like they did like a I can't remember what fighter it was he was against, but it, it was like they did some sort of amateur thing where you know he was fighting against some guy. And they were both retired, and then it it was a draw. The 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 the, the judges were like, okay, it, it turns out it's a draw, and afterwards they. The guy's interviewing him. He's like, this guy's over here. What'd you think? He goes over here to Mike, and Mike was like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's it, 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 it was a draw. It's fine. I, I accept that. It's fine. It's fine. It's a draw. It's a draw." It's like that guy was okay with it being, "Oh yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. What's whatever." Twenty years ago, he literally bit a guy's ear off and said he wanted to eat his children. This is a man who has made some changes in his personal life, okay? He has looked in the mirror, and he has said, I need to do some things different. So Iron Mike has mellowed out. He's cool. In fact, he's now a cannabis mogul, and he is selling edibles shaped like ears. Oh, my really? God. Yeah, this is I just found this out today. Well, doing this. That's pretty brilliant, I, though. Yeah. And he's also become the master of cameos as well. well yeah, he, he can pop up. He pops up in everything. Well, he was in he was in, the, in the hangover and he's he's yeah. not afraid to make fun of himself and he's not afraid to let yeah. other people make fun of him, which, again, you go back to the Iron Mike of the late 80s, early 90s. And man, was the most terrifying person ever. So he's got this perfect uh scary uncle combination of where like now it's like oh you know he he might give you some free weed even though i i am not really a cannabis user but i mean maybe the cool maybe uncle mike maybe the cool the cool kids the cool kids will think that i'm cool because uncle mike's giving me the free edibles uh shaped like ears but also like the the scary aspect of it never is gonna go away like people are never gonna fuck with you when you got iron mike in your corner no Um, even even if he even if he is to the point where he would never throw a punch for the rest of his life, people are still going to be scared of him. I mean, you just, whew. I mean, if you go back yeah. and watch some of those videos, he was he was a monster. Power- he was a powerhouse. <laughs> powerful hit. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I am not a big fan of the modern celebrity roast, but I will give credit where credit is due. Seth MacFarlane has one of the best roast jokes against Mike Tyson, where he says, Mike Tyson beat every opponent he came up against, except the letter S. (laughs) 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 Just a very, very well-worded joke to make fun of someone's lisp. But uh, (laughs) I will give props where props are due. All right. Mike Tyson versus Julie Andrews. (laughs) I did not see that fight. The you slaughter on the water. <laughs> Celebrity deathmatch. I think they'd be besties. <laughs> oh, I do want to see the claymation version of this on Celebrity <laughs> Deathmatch. That would be fantastic if that comes back. But obviously, you're getting three points for Julie Andrews. Blood. And you will also be getting three points for Mike Tyson. That brings us to a certain point roundup we have here. But I'm going to throw out the bonus point question one more time. Do either of you have a guess at who my celebrity doppelganger may be? 
Who is your guess, Rosie? Jason Alexander. I'll take it. Nathan. Kevin Smith. I like Jason Alexander better. Ah. So she's going to get the bonus <laughs> points. She'll get three points. That is 18 to Nathan's 11. Ah. Rosie is our winner today. Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than making sure a guest wins <laughs> over the same old white guy always on this show. <laughs> you can't leave today, of course, without me revealing my Fast Five list. Oh my God, I'm talking like Mike Tyson. <laughs> which are the VR experiences no one asked for. Number five, you put on your goggles for your own birth. <laughs> Watch POV as you slide out of the birth canal and watch a bunch of grown-ups make goo-goo-ga-ga faces at you. Sick. Number four. Getting eaten by Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay, I don't know who at the History Channel approved this experience, but we don't need it. Gross. Number three. Catherine Parr. Yep, you're the wife of Henry VIII, and you have to see a sweaty oh. Brit climb on top of you and weep as he begs for a boy. Oh, Disgusting. <laughs> Number two, in the green room with President Joe Biden and his speechwriter. This VR experience is just you trying to do your job as several aides try and keep Biden awake, snapping long enough for him to listen <laughs> to what you have to say. They also had this built as the Gerald R. Ford experience, but just upgraded the graphics. Boring. <laughs> And number one, eighth grade, the bad parts. You have to experience every embarrassing moment from middle school. Your first kiss, your first dance, the time you threw up in the hall, all of it in real time, and you can't take the headset off until you pass. Torture. Oh. And that is this week's edition oh. of Uber Cinco. Coming to you from a stage near you is hopefully Rosie O'Leary. <laughs> <laughs> and from the same torturous stretch of Irving Park is Nathan Henenfend. And as always, I've been your big wet boy, Brian Ernst. And as Bizbear always says, is the salmon good here? Avita Zane and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.